support from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon. Welcome to the broadcast. The wet turns white tonight as the region dries out from a soaking rain last night. We'll trade floodwaters for lake effects soon. Meteorologist Mike Sykes says winter storm warnings are in effect in ski country through Tuesday. Notice the change from the green to the blue, and that means that this is going to be uh, switching over to some snowflakes for us. By midday tomorrow, a half foot or more of snow possible downwind of the Great Lakes. The rain was a pain this morning for 59 million of us from D.C. to Maine. This is not usually my backyard. It's not usually... Meteorologist Kevin Williams says it's a good thing what fell from the sky last night was not snow or it'd be piling high right now. An inch of rain gets you a foot of snow. And guess what? We've had an inch plus of rain across eastern Pennsylvania and central New York. In fact, 4.24 inches of rain in Mount Pocono. So it would have been quite the snowstorm for sure, but it's not. Uh, It's rain. Ponding problems overnight turned roads into rivers in the Binghamton area, central New York, and parts of Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. On Long Island, utility crews are scrambling to get the lights back on. We're preparing for the worst. This is a potentially dangerous situation. Coastal communities inundated with wind-whipped rain just as the crush of Christmas traffic gets underway. Forecaster Adam Claude. This is major type of flooding. Add on to that some of these winds, 50 to 70 miles an hour. This is a very large, powerful storm. Tomorrow will be our coldest day of the week with an icy morning commute followed by a gradual warming trend thereafter. Temperatures could soar to 50 degrees with a ton of sun by the time you tear into those Christmas presents one week from today. As the war with Hamas rages on, the Israeli army is facing a daunting challenge. The challenge, hunting down Hamas while safeguarding the hostages, says IDF spokesman Daniel Hagari. Does that mean fighting Hamas fighters inside these tunnels? It means hunting them down and finding them wherever they are. That report from Charlie Daggett, who's traveling with the IDF in Gaza. Correspondent Trey Yinks has more on day 73 of the war. Over the weekend, the Israelis revealed what they say is the largest tunnel inside Gaza that's been found to date. The tunnel spans more than two and a half miles and goes up to 150 feet underground. It's also equipped with electricity and ventilation. Israel's flooding some of those tunnels with water from the Mediterranean. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in Israel today encouraging our Jewish ally to do all it can to minimize civilian casualties. A new Fox News poll shows an overwhelming majority of us want to strengthen the southern border. 79% say illegal immigration is a national emergency. South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham. The policy choices that the Biden administration has made the border a dangerous place to come to. America is under threat, according to the FBI. West Virginia Democrat Joe We are over capacity right now, and we have to control this. 10 and 12,000 people coming a day, you're overrun. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Time for a national security package is now. In my district, it is pure chaos, and people are upset. They're upset because their lives have been turned upside down. The Senate is working on a deal that ties border security with aid to Israel and Ukraine. America's fighting forces are the smallest they've been in over 80 years. The number of active duty service members 
in the U.S. military has sunk to less than 1.3 million. All branches except the Space Force missed their recruitment goals this year. Not since 1941 have we had so few soldiers, sailors, and Marines. Communist North Korea flexed its military muscle today, firing a couple of missiles into the Sea of Japan. North Korea appears to have test-fired an intercontinental ballistic missile, just as South Korea predicted could happen within this month. Just hours earlier, the North also launched a short-range ballistic missile and released a statement blaming U.S. and South Korean military gangsters for raising tensions and attempting to ignite a nuclear war. Alex Jensen reporting a new poll shows Nikki Haley gaining ground on Donald Trump in New Hampshire, though the ex-president still has a dominant lead in Iowa, the first voting state in the 2024 election. Haley thinks Trump has too much baggage to be the GOP nominee. I agree with a lot of Trump's policies, but looking at the situation now, our country's in disarray, the world is on fire, and chaos follows him. And we can't have a country in chaos for four more years or we won't survive it. The late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor will be laid to rest tomorrow following a funeral at Washington National Cathedral. Here's White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre. Justice O'Connor dedicated her life to public service and a relentless pursuit to strengthen our democracy by finding common ground, reminding all Americans that there is far more that unites us than divides us. O'Connor became the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court in 1981. She died December 1st at the age of 93. President Biden's motorcade got plowed into last night by an out-of-control car. Reporter Monica Ricks. President Biden and the First Lady had just left re-election headquarters after a team dinner in Wilmington when a driver crashed into an SUV in the president's motorcade. That SUV had been blocking an intersection as the Bidens were walking out of the event. The president himself was just 200 feet away on the sidewalk. The driver reportedly tried to speed off, but was quickly surrounded by Secret Service. The Secret Service does not think that driver was trying to get to the president. Neither the president or first lady were hurt. The motorist has been charged with drunk driving. Still to come on the noon report, shop with a cop, bills beat up on the boys, and volunteering is good for you. Good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams. We will be exchanging the soggy weather of today for some snowy weather for some tomorrow. Forecast details are up in town. All right, Kevin. Flood damage said to be extensive today in the Binghamton, New York area as the swollen Susquehanna spills her banks from last night's storms. Parts of central New York and eastern Pennsylvania hit hard by the soaking rain as well. The Waverly Central School District closed today because of flooding in parts of Tioga County. Flood warnings in effect for Broome, Cayuga, Shenango, Cortland, Onondaga, and Tompkins counties in New York. There's also flood warning until 2 o'clock today for Lackawanna, Susquehanna, and Wyoming counties in Pennsylvania. The CDC says December is one of the worst months of the year for fatal drug overdoses. And that's why the holidays are so hard for Lori Drescher of Monroe County, New York. My son's worst relapses were always between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And his last year was no exception. He went into rehab on Christmas Eve. 
we never saw him again. Dresher's son, Jonathan, died of a drug overdose in 2021. We usually set a chair, we call it the empty chair, at the table where our loved one should be. And it's just a really difficult time because for the individual who's struggling with addiction, with substance use disorder, there is so much shame. Dresher started a substance abuse support group in her community as a tribute to her son, who was poisoned by fentanyl. I've since heard from so many people that he's helped. He cared more about their recovery than he cared about his own. So I just hope to carry on his legacy of helping people in the best way that I possibly can. Drug overdoses are the leading cause of injury-related death in this country. The majority of them involve opioids. A Dansville, New York woman continues to plead for her husband's safe return from the Taliban in Afghanistan. This is just a very difficult time for our family. Christmas Eve is going to mark 500 days of detainment and I'm really scared for Ryan's life. Anna Corbett says her 40-year-old husband was kidnapped in August of 2022 when he returned to Afghanistan to check on the status of his employees. And his health is deteriorating. Um, I've heard that he's fainting, having seizures. He left when he was 39. He turned 40 in April this year in a basement cell. The Corbetts have three children. Ryan's dad is a pastor in Dansville, Pennsylvania has a new law that goes after porch pirates, those who steal packages from people's porches. December's prime time for that, with Christmas stuff a common sight on porches all over the listening area. This new law signed last week by Governor Shapiro increases penalties for mail theft, takes effect in 60 days. 300 Pennsylvania National Guard troops will be deployed to the Horn of Africa for nine months. Captain Joe Kerwin with the 112th Infantry Treat Regiment is among them. I'm just incredibly thankful and grateful to be here today, getting ready to mobilize to deploy to defend this nation. It's an honor of a lifetime. When he's not helping protect this country, Captain Kerwin is a state representative from Dauphin County. His brother Jack will be joining him overseas. His sister Carolyn is also in the National Guard. It's been an absolute honor to be serving alongside of them and training with them throughout the past few months up to this deployment. I will miss them dearly while they're over there. The Kerwins took part in a send-off rally yesterday in Harrisburg. Pennsylvania Governor Josh Shapiro thanked the soldiers for their service. You put your own lives on the line to protect the rest of us. It takes a very special person to do that. And I want you to know we feel an immense debt of gratitude to each and every one of you. And we are forever grateful for your service. Troops will deploy a few days after Christmas. Shimon County, New York police took part in Shop with a Cop event at Target in Horseheads Sunday morning. 25 children in need were nominated by staff from the Elmira, the Elmira Heights, and the Horseheads School Districts. They were paired up with a police officer who took them through the Target store to buy Christmas presents for themselves and their families. Lieutenant Richard Matthews with the Shimung County Sheriff's Department says it was a total team effort. Every police union to Giuseppe's Pizzeria who donates the lunch, American Cookie Company who donates dessert, all of our volunteers, the buses getting the kids here, Horseheads Intermediate School allowing us to use that location, and even Target allowing us to bring such a vast number of kids here to shop for their families is, is instrumental. We couldn't do it without 
our, our volunteers. Shop with a cop. What an amazing event. After getting those gifts, the kids headed back to the Horseheads Middle School where they got to wrap them and have lunch with those police officers. Experts say volunteering leads to lower rates of depression and anxiety. Yeah, volunteering. Major Richard Starkey with the Salvation Army says giving back does wonders for your mood and mental health. Many volunteers will say, you know, our come back every year and this is my 18th year my 19th year I wouldn't miss this or because they're they're collecting money that will go to help their neighbors according to the American Psychological Association those who volunteer have lower blood pressure live longer and tend to be happier you hear the same thing about people in the hospital you know if you have a more positive attitude you know you seem to heal better and you know get better quicker so I think it's reciprocal you know the, the people we're helping and the volunteers you know it makes everybody feel better Experts attribute the health benefits of volunteering to the release of dopamine in the brain. Want to improve your mental health? Well, apparently there is an app for that. At least there is at Syracuse University, where the text-based mental health app Counselor provides students with electronic access to licensed professionals 24-7. Counselor CEO Joshua Liss. We are not a replacement for traditional therapy, meaning we don't diagnose, we don't treat, we don't prescribe medication. Um, we are there to provide support, coping strategies, empathy, reflective listening, the sharing of resources. Uh, whenever I talk to students at schools, when we do welcome presentations, I always kind of like to say that Counselor, the app, is like a best friend in your pocket who happens to be a licensed counselor. The Counselor app at Syracuse is free of charge to students. And the quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes is now headed to Syracuse. Kyle McCord has one more year of eligibility and he will play it at SU. His arrival significant for the new coach, Fran Brown, who promised when he took over that the SU program would focus more on recruiting. Let's talk more sports next. It's the two-minute drill on Family Life. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, it is almost always the Josh Allen show when the Bills play. But yesterday, somebody else took center stage for the Bills. James Cook rushed for 179 yards and a touchdown. And Buffalo's defense stymied a potent Dallas Cowboys offense as the Bills rolled over the boys 31-10. Allen 7-15 for 91 yards and a touchdown. He also ran one in, as did Latavius Murray. Buffalo moves to 8-6 and six on the season. The Cowboys drop to 10-4. and four. At the Superdome in New Orleans, the Saints dominated the Giants 24-6 to win their second straight game. Derek Carr outstanding. 23-28 for 218 yards and three touchdowns to lead the Saints. The New York Jets have dropped six of their last seven games now after failing to score against the Dolphins in Miami. 30 the final. Elsewhere, Cleveland edged the Bears 20-17. Tampa Bay thumped Green Bay 34-20. An overtime contest saw the Texans come out on top of the Titans 19-16. The Patriots fell to the Chiefs 27-17. Carolina edged Atlanta 9-7. The Rams 28-20 winners over the Commanders. San Fran beat Arizona 45-29. And the Ravens handled the Jags 23-7. On the hardwood, Boston took care of business with Orlando 114-97. The Pelicans blew out the Spurs 146-110. The Rockets lost 128-119 to the Bucks. 
Phoenix got past Washington 112 to 108, and Golden State edged Portland 118 to 114. Skating to victory on the ice, the Canucks, Caps, Ducks, Avs, and Golden Knights. That is a look at sports. Thank you, Randy Men. Still to come on the Noon Report for a Monday. Quaker Oats recall. Issues in education. And the wet turns white tonight, but will it stick around for Christmas? Kevin Williams has the answer to that. Coming up. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Many Christians are familiar with the beautiful and tender words of the medieval theologian Bernard of Clairvaux in hymns like, O sacred head now wounded, Jesus the very thought of thee, and Jesus thou joy of loving hearts. Like other church fathers, he also preached on the topics of Advent and Christmas and had rich words to share. As well as a theologian, Bernard was a church reformer, a mystic, and abbot of the Cistercian Monastery at Clairvaux. He played important roles in both ecclesiastical and secular politics, particularly as a preacher of the Second Crusade. Because of his eloquence and emphasis on divine love, Dante made him the final god of paradise in his divine comedy. He was also cited by major Protestant reformers like Luther and Calvin in support of justification by faith. Although Bernard is known for holding a high view of Mary, the overall focus of his Sermon 9 about the Nativity remains squarely on Jesus. It was built around a repeated refrain, quote, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born in Bethlehem of Judah. In the first part of the sermon, Bernard emphasized the absolute wonder of that proclamation. Quote, A voice of gladness has resounded in our land. In the dwellings of sinners, a voice of joy and salvation has been heard. The good news has been announced. News of comfort, news of rejoicing, worthy of all acceptance. Rejoice and give praise, O you mountains, all you trees of the forest. Applaud before the face of the Lord, for now he's coming. Hear, you heavens, and you earth, give ear. Let the whole of creation be astounded and give praise. But you, O humans, above all others. For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is born in Bethlehem of Judah. Bernard described this news as the sweetest, the most delightful, and the best to ever come to earth. Words were inadequate, he said, to express the love that wells up in his heart at the beauty of the message. He then explained that every word in the sentence is full of meaning. The name Jesus points to him as the source of salvation. The title Christ points to his anointing and the healing unction he provides. The title Son of God points to his greatness and the gifts that he gives. Bernard then continued, Take courage, you who are lost, for to seek and save that which was lost, Jesus now comes. Return to health, you who are sick, for with the ointment of mercy, Christ comes to heal the contrite of heart. Rejoice, all you who are ambitious for great things, for the Son of God descends on you to make you co-heirs of his own kingdom. Why has the Son of God become man but in order to make all men sons of God? Who then will resist his will? Jesus forgives us. Who then will condemn us? Christ heals us. Who will hurt us? The Son of God raises up. Who will put us down? Jesus is born. Let the person whose sinful conscience deserves eternal damnation rejoice, for Jesus' pity exceeds all crimes, no matter how great their number or enormity. Christ is born. Therefore, let the person who is tormented by deeply rooted voices rejoice. For no spiritual illness, no matter how chronic, can stand its ground before Christ's healing ointment. The Son of God is born. Let him whose habit is to desire great things rejoice. For the giver of great things is at hand. End quote. Then Bernard explained the phrase in Bethlehem of Judah. Bethlehem means house of bread, so we need to receive the food that comes from heaven in Scripture and in Christ, who is the bread of life. He noted that Jesus could have been born in a palace, but instead chose a small poor village, because the only commodity absent in heaven and abundant on earth is poverty. Citing Genesis 49, Bernard defined Judah as confession, concluding that we need to become like Bethlehem and Judah, receiving Jesus by faith, confessing him with our mouth so that we may be saved. 
But Arndt's sermon is a reminder of just how easy it is to miss the astonishing wonder of all that the Incarnation means. So to celebrate Christ's birth, we should intentionally take time to ponder the wonder of it all, even the words, to rejoice in them, and to respond in faith to all that God has done for us. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Thank you, John. Outside we go next, meteorologist Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast for this afternoon. The steady rain in central New York winding down elsewhere across the area. It's cloudy with a few rain showers mixing with snowflakes, brisk breezes, with temperatures slowly falling from current values. But tonight, mixed showers early, and then some snow later tonight and tomorrow. And several inches will accumulate in parts of the region, mainly higher elevations, southeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Temperatures tonight in the 20s overnight, only in the upper 20s to mid-30s tomorrow. Look for some slippery travel for that morning commute tomorrow. Miss some sunshine Wednesday with high temps 30s and low 40s. All right, Kevin, thank you very much. Do have flood warnings in effect in the Binghamton area and points east and south as the rain from overnight does a number on local creeks and streams. Here's what else going on Monday, the 18th of December. Security scare for the president. A car collided with his motorcade last night in Delaware. The commander-in-chief just steps away. Reporter Gabe Gutierrez. It's not every day you see a collision just feet away from the president of the United States and it happened as the president and the first lady were heading home for the night. Thankfully both of them are safe and were not hurt. The Secret Service says the collision happened about 200 feet from the president. They have no reason to think the driver was targeting him. He'd been charged with DUI. The Israeli army is facing criticism for accidentally killing three Israeli hostages in Gaza last week. The three Israeli hostages in Gaza made white flags to warn their own army not to shoot, smearing SOS in old food and writing in Hebrew, help three hostages. The Israeli military released the images overnight, saying the hostages were nonetheless mistakenly shot by Israeli troops. Israel's chief of staff told soldiers the friendly fire could have been avoided, saying the hostages took off their shirts so that no one would think they have an explosive device and held a white cloth on a pole to identify themselves. Correspondent Richard Engel, 150 hostages remain held by Hamas and its allies. The first votes of the 2024 election will be cast in less than a month in Iowa. Over the weekend, the GOP candidates traded barbs on the campaign trail as they try to close in on the front runner, Donald Trump. Here's Nikki Haley. I'm going to fight to earn every single person's vote because we have a country to save. A new CBS News poll shows Haley gaining ground on Trump in New Hampshire while Ron DeSantis continues to trail in Iowa. Trump loses. He will say it's stolen no matter what. Absolutely. He will, he will, he will try to delegitimize the result. Here's to your health. Quaker Oats recalling more than two dozen types of granola bars and cereals because of possible salmonella contamination. Last month, a salmonella outbreak connected to cantaloupe caused at least eight deaths in the U.S. and Canada. It's the largest fine ever levied by the U.S. Transportation Department. Southwest Airlines must pay $140 million for its meltdown last year during the height of the Christmas travel season. It's significant because it sets a precedent. It basically responds to their meltdown from last year with substantial financial consequences. Travel editor Peter Greenberg. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Monday edition on Family Life. And welcome back to another edition of Issues in Education. Monday's 
During the Noon Report, we spotlight the issues impacting our schools with the good doctor, Ralph Kerr, at the Teaching and Learning Institute. Ralph, just one week to go till Christmas. I hope you're ready, you friend. Ho, ho, ho. I am ready. <laughs> Here he comes, down the chimney. Watch out. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ralph, uh, Pennsylvania's governor, Josh Shapiro, is going to sign soon if he hasn't already. A bill that would permit Pennsylvania schools to adopt a four-day work week, shorter work weeks or longer school days, whichever way you want to go. You've been a fan of this. Explain how come. Well, I really have been going back quite a ways. There's been some experimentation with this in different parts of the country. And what we found is there are some really good advantages to doing it. For instance, school buildings would be closed on the fifth day that particularly here in the Northeast could result in some potential energy savings. The staff would be off, obviously, on the fifth day each week, although their work day would be longer. And then on the disadvantages, as I said, you got a longer work day, and that could lead to some productivity decrease on the part of teachers and the staff as well as the students. The community wouldn't have access to the building on that fifth day then for various events that they might want to hold. And finally, the district would have to do a really good job of communicating that it's just not another day off, but that the days have been extended. I will say there's a competing bill in Pennsylvania that I am not supportive of at all. Somebody has proposed that the work week just go from 40 hours to 32 and everybody keep the same pay. I would not support that. I think you've got to make up the time. If you can do it effectively in four days rather than five, I am for it. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many Pennsylvania schools actually adopt a four-day work week. I mean, it's one thing right. to pass the law. It's another thing to actually go that route. So we'll see right. if any of them take the governor up on this. Um, institutions of higher learning, Ralph, are reeling, as you well know, from a credibility crisis in light of recent remarks about anti-Semitism made by several Ivy League presidents. How can Christian colleges capitalize on this growing angst about indoctrination that's happening at so many schools these days? Well, I think, first of all, you have to realize that according to the Bible, the Jewish people are God's chosen people. Whether we like that or not, that's yeah. what the Scripture says. So I think we have to be very careful when we're talking about anything that would be anti-Semitic. And I would just urge people that have further questions about that. I know you did a great podcast with President Lewis at Houghton mm -hmm. University. That is available on your website, and yeah. I'm sure that if people dial that up, they would be able to hear more about the advantages for a Christian institution like Houghton University. Yeah, you know, Houghton University, a private college there in western New York, really bucking the trend. This is shocking to me. So many private schools in New York, Ralph, are shutting down. St. Rose in Albany, got a good friend who went there, just announced that this June it will be no more. Madai in Buffalo, I used to play against Madai when I was playing basketball at Houghton. They're no more. Casanova in central New York, it's no more. These schools are shutting down, Ralph. Why is this happening? Well, well, it's happening mostly because of money. That's the biggest issue, but it, it comes down to less students. But colleges and universities are really afraid to make any adjustment to the student-teacher ratio. When faculty and staff make up at least 80% of your costs, if you continue with the same number of faculty and staff and you have less students, so in other words, you have less income, that's going to be a problem and it's going to be inevitable. And then in some institutions, there are just some questionable financial problems 
practices that have gone on. And unless you have a big endowment like Harvard or places like that, you just cannot exist unless you watch your finances very carefully and make the necessary adjustments as time goes by. Gotcha. I love this next story. Henfield High School in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, not in our listening area, but a good issue. It's offering an officiating course to high school juniors and seniors how to become a referee for sporting events. Ralph, what's your reaction to this story? I think it's a great idea. I'm just concerned that unless you put them right in front of parents in a gymnasium, I don't think they'll have the real experience, which is really tough. <laughs> yeah. uh, parents are not the most gracious people when it comes to the referees. So in concept, I think it's a great idea, but I hope that the experience would include some time in the gym in a real life situation because that would be an important factor yeah. for uh, these po- folks making uh, that decision to become a referee. And it's so important. You know, so many uh, districts now can't find refs or officials right. for sporting events. So they've, unfortunately, it's really sad. They've had to cancel sporting events or move them around just because there's just not enough referees anymore. That's true. And more of that to come unless somebody finds a way to get more referees into uh, the training and into the games. Gotcha. And finally, you know, it's been a while since we talked about this, but there's a representative in Pennsylvania. We spent a lot of time in the Commonwealth today, but uh, Representative Joe Adams wants to make cursive writing mandatory instruction in grade schools. Points out, hey, you look at the Declaration of Independence, you look at the U.S. Constitution, that's written in cursive. Do you support this effort from the representative there in Pennsylvania? Well, I think it's an interesting concept. Certainly, cursive writing is uh, rarely used because of technology. And lots of people say, let's just focus on the technology because that's mm-hmm. how people communicate today. On the other hand, if you know cursive and you don't use it, you can lose it. I was doing our Christmas cards this week, and what I found was, boy, my writing is getting worse <laughs> and worse. It used to be pretty good. But you it's too. Really wow. Okay. Right gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> so other benefits would be that it does contribute to your flow of thought, helps focus on the content, get your entire brain working, and even can improve some motor control for some students and make you a better speller because gotcha. you have to think about what you're going to write. So I had read, and correct me if I'm wrong, those who learn cursive also do better in other academic areas as well. Is there any truth to that? There is some research that does show that, yes. Mm. It does make you a better learner in terms of your test scores. All right, and so Ralph is going to get out some more Christmas cards and start working on his cursive writing. But while he's doing that, if folks want to learn more about what is the Teaching and Learning Institute anyway, why do you exist, Ralph? Where can they find you online? They can find that at simply whyrun.org, whyrun.org. By the way, Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas, Ralph. We'll talk to you in 2024. There you go. All right. All right. We love the good Dr. Ralph Kerr at the Teaching and Learning Institute, Issues in Education. The name of the program comes your way Mondays during the Noon Report or online anytime. Just go to familylife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life Regional Weather Forecast with the week certainly starting on a gray, soggy note. Our latest storm system will be moving away across uh, northern New England as we head through tonight. Colder air wrapping in behind it will mean what's left in the rain and rain shower department will change to some snow and snow showers. Here are the forecast details for this afternoon. The steady rain in central New York winding down and tapering to a few showers. 
Elsewhere across the air, it's cloudy with a few rain showers mixing with snowflakes over the western twin tiers. Brisk breezes with temperatures slowly falling from current values. But tonight, mixed showers early, then some snow later tonight and tomorrow. And several inches will accumulate in parts of the region, mainly higher elevations southeast of Lake Erie and Lake Ontario. Temperatures tonight in the 20s overnight, only in the upper 20s to mid-30s tomorrow. Look for some slippery travel for that morning commute tomorrow. And then some sunshine Wednesday with high temps, 30s and low 40s. All right, Kevin, great work at the Weather Center. Finally, for a Monday, a Texas woman has proven it's never too late to learn something new. For many pain, it is the fulfillment of a dream that began 73 years ago when she graduated from high school. The journalist and copy editor, now 90 years old, walked the stage yesterday to receive her master's degree in interdisciplinary studies with an emphasis in writing, making her the oldest person in the history of the University of North Texas to receive a postgraduate degree. Payne briefly attended junior college when she graduated from high school and earned her bachelor's degree at age 73. Payne said completing the degree seems kind of surreal and she already has a new job working as a writer for a magazine in Houston. Congratulations, Minnie, and thank you for the reminder that you're never too old to learn something new. Brian Query, Family Life News. Love it. Thank you so much, Brian. And just like that, we are out of time. That's the world we live in Monday, December 18th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.